the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm publisher Anley Jackson and joining me as always is editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. All right, mate? Yes. Right, let's kick off. World Cup, uh, the road to Rio. <laughs> Began on Friday night. We've had two Socceroos games in uh, four days. Uh, let's pick the bones out of them. Uh, two very different performances, has yes. to be said. Um, let's start with Friday night and a, and a, a less than convincing He's putting it kindly. Uh, performance against Thailand. Trev, Yes. what did you make of it? Um, well, look, we've got the three points. I suppose that's the, the positive headline off it. Um, I think we can all agree we underestimated Thailand a little bit, including the players on the pitch. Um, they looked you know, solid, determined and, and pretty tidy. Well taken opening goal as well. Yeah, but, you, know, goal. you know, great finish there. Um, and then it was... Just a sort of period of very, very sustained pressure. Um, main talking points, I, I suppose we'll start with, with Kilkenny and Valeri in the middle. Um, Valeri, I suppose you um, expect to be that sort of ball winner, more defensive player. And it was a big game for Kilkenny to be the more you know, um, ball playing rather than ball winning. And I suppose you could say to a certain extent that just didn't work. Um, yeah. I know Holger's made comments about Cahill and Kennedy up front that he wasn't particularly happy with those two well, working again, you know, together. We saw again, as as we saw in the Asian Cup final when it was Kuhl and Cahill up front, the, this sort of dangerous thing that we fall into, which is just lumping balls into the box. Mm. You know, I think there was something stupid. It was like you know, 50, thirty-seven. In the end, it was fifty. 50, but I think yeah. by the time we scored. I, mean, I tweeted at the time, you know, we, that was our 38th ball in the box and it was the first one that was under seven foot high. Yeah. You know, and, I, and it just seems that, you know, it's a worrying sort of trait that we're showing, which is, you know, sometimes if things aren't going our way as soon as we want them to, we start sort of going route one and, you know, and that's not going to get us the results against better sides. No. Um, one of the other instruments was, uh, was Matt Mackay starting at left back. Yeah, um, seems to be you know, and Holman playing out wide um, didn't really seem to suit either of them. No, no, it, it's a strange. I mean, especially with Zulo clearly fit. I so I assume he's fit. I mean, he, he played the second game, didn't he? Um, so it seems strange to you know, associate Matt McKay with being out of position, being left back, and especially as the sort of player that can probably play the role that Kilkenny was supposed to be playing better. Uh, yeah. We end up sort of reshuffling when we didn't really need to, and I don't know if that goes back to underestimating the opponents and feeling that we could do that. Um, yeah, it seems a slightly strange sort of option. So well, one thing to say about the, the crosses into the, the box, um, on one level I understand when you've on the right-hand side got Emerton and, and Wiltshire, two very good crosses of the ball um, and very good at getting down the line. Crossing it in for Cahill and Kennedy, who are two excellent headers of the ball against a team that they should dominate in the air. don't have a problem with trying that. It's trying it constantly and not but trying also, other stuff. But also, it's from ball. where on the pitch you're delivering that ball in. And too often, we were delivering diagonal balls from in deep, from 30 yeah, yeah. yards out. You know, and that's so easy to defend because got, the, the defenders and the keeper have got everything in front of them. You know, they just get goal side and... You know, there's no sort of, is he behind me? Is it because he's offside if he is? You know, whereas mm. if we get the ball 
in more advanced positions and we're crossing, we're pulling the ball back from the byline, then there's mm. that opportunity for Kale to do what he do, does so well, which is get on the blind side of defenders, get into space and get a header and, and use the pace of the ball. Yeah, but I, I, it was just, yeah, and the, the annoying thing was, was that it, we didn't seem to learn. We didn't, you know, well, there was That's no it. instruction to say, lads, this isn't working, let's work this out. I think... Yeah, and I do, you know, that's probably one of the things that we tend to sort of slip into. The other one is that we tend to, particularly through midfield, the two holding midfielders tend sometimes to, to be really laboured in possession and, and we don't move the ball quick enough. Mm. Um, and certainly we'll talk about the Saudi Arabia game in a moment, but, but that is what Matt Mackay does do well in, in midfield is he does get the ball pass the ball, move quickly and, and get into a position to get it again. And, and he showed his value getting forward for the first goal, which was the critical one, which got us obviously back in the game. Um, and then Alex Bross came off the uh, bench and got an 86th minute winner. Um, yeah, I mean, Scott fair... McDonald watching the Bross come on and yeah. score. <laughs> I mean, fair, you know, fair play to, uh, to the players. You know, they, they held their hands up. You know, Mark Schwartz in the immediate aftermath was like, you know, we... Uh, we probably didn't deserve that, you know. We uh, we got out of jail there, so um, I think they knew that they'd uh, they dodged a bullet there. Um, and also, you know, let's talk about you know, Thailand have just gone on and, and beaten Oman convincingly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the the team that everybody thought were going to be the whipping boys of the group are proving far from it. You know, well, they're no, well organised. That they have the ability to hit teams on the break as they've shown. And and as we see in, in uh, any level of football, you know, a well organised team who's disciplined in defence, who does carry a counter attacking threat, will always cause teams problems. Yeah, exactly. And, and based on the the two soccerers games we've seen against Thailand and Saudi Arabia. Um, you'd have to feel that Thailand would fancy their chances against Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and they'd have no, no, no reason to fear them. So, yeah. So maybe those, uh, those brash comments from the team manager weren't so uh, misguided after all. No, yeah, we, we mocked him and then <laughs> talked about how many we'd score. No, he's probably onto something. Yeah. All right, well, let's, let's talk about the, uh, the more recent game, which was the 3-1 win over Saudi Arabia uh, in Daman. Um, it was hot, it was sticky, um, but we managed to, uh, to get the job done in a much more convincing uh, manner. Uh, this saw Zulo restored to the team, it saw uh, Matt Mackay push for the forward, it saw Holman in the hole as a support striker behind uh, Kennedy, uh, it saw Cahill drop to the bench, mm. and a, a thoroughly convincing performance. So what are we what are we reading to that? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the initial talk before the game is that the same side would face Saudi Arabia that had faced Thailand. That seemed to be the talk, and then he he went back to um, a side I suppose we were more familiar with in recent games that has been doing well. And yeah, that the, they just looked more fluid and and, and more organised, retained the ball, you know, much better. Um, but it's a slightly different setup going away to a side that would be thinking about getting something from the game rather than hosting a side that would be happy um, to sort of squeeze anything out of it. You know, the, the onus was more on Saudi Arabia to do something, and that, and that played into our hands a little bit. Um, I thought we were more clinical in front of goal and, and just yeah. all round looked, <laughs> looked in much, much better shape. And Holman, who, uh, I, you know, I, I, again, I tweeted at the time when uh, in the first game against Thailand when... Simon Hill and Andy Harper had Holman as man of the match. I certainly didn't. I thought he was disappointing. Um, but he was far from it in the, in the second game and, and maybe giving him that freer role. Certainly, as we saw with one of the goals, we dispossessed the, the, the centre-back. 
Um, yeah, he lo- he does like buzzing around. He's he's actually reads the game very well. Intercept, you know, the amount of interceptions he does. Sometimes the end product has been lacking from him, but mm. in recent years, that's an area of his game that has improved massively. Um, Great little so moment he, where he picked up the ball with his back to go and just spun and was away and yeah. cut inside and, and you know bent it wide, but it was one of the better passages. And him play. and Kennedy combined perfectly, and Kennedy with another two goals, so three goals in two games for Big Josh. You know and, he's on fire in the J League and. And look, he's got a great scoring record for the Socceroos overall. All the, all the way, for, he's not far off a um, a goal every other game, um, which is sort of the ultimate for for what strikers try and get. I mean, do we? What did you read into the the dropping of Cahill? Was that more, you know, in terms of potentially getting on side with David Moyes, or do you think that he actually looked at it and thought that it wasn't working and needed to change it? Well, if if there was some sort of agreement with Everton. I would assume that Cahill wouldn't have played the Thailand game because if you know if you were going to say yeah. oh you know I'd rather you only played him for you know whatever 90 minutes or you know a full game or an hour here and a half hour somewhere else then it it would seem a surprise especially after not a great performance against Thailand to go away to arguably the toughest fixture in the whole you know pro- this stage of the process of of qualifying it it seemed a little bit bizarre so I think you can make a case for it being tactical that he just didn't feel that Kennedy and Cahill worked together. He said that after the Thailand game. When he said that, I instantly thought, well, Kennedy's in trouble. Because, you know, there's yeah. nowhere... And he, he seems to sort of go for a slightly risky manoeuvre. It paid off, didn't it? Well, he wasn't injured because uh, he came on in the yeah. last few moments of the game. Um, yeah, and I'm quite encouraged by this. Again, you know, this for me, is another tick in the box for Holger. Hmm. Um, because he's showing consistently that he's not afraid to make the big decisions, you know. And... Um, it's a very long qualifying process, you know. It's going to be 14 games yeah. minimum, uh, and everyone will have a role to play. And you know, and I, I thought it was a, you know, it was a, a piece of strong management. But and also, I think you know, I, I I like coaches that have the ability to sort of say, well, do you know what, I got it a bit wrong on Friday. I'm going to put it right on on Tuesday with Zullo coming back in, Matt Mackay moved forward, you know, moving Holman into where he's probably more effective. I just think. It's a really good sign from a coaching perspective. Yeah, I think that... You know, I like Neil Kukenny. I don't have a problem with him and, and think he will have a part to play in the squad. But for that type of role in the middle, if, we, if we're going to... I think Valerian Jedniak are sort of going head-to-head for the more holding role. But I, I certainly prefer um, Mikhail over Kilkenny for the ball-playing yeah. role. And also, it's a very you know they were very positive uh, in the Sadio game. You know, the, the te- you know, the tendency would have been... You know, or it would have been very easy to have gone there with a let's not lose this policy rather than a let's go for the win. Yeah. Um, but, you know, certainly two wins in two games, first two games, takes the pressure off massively, um, you know, particularly with Amman losing to Thailand. So uh, it puts us in really good shape. Obviously, the next round of games are in October when Amman come to uh, Sydney. Venue still to be confirmed on that. Um, so that could, you know, three wins in three could leave us in uh, in very strong shape to uh, to to progress and 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 take the pressure off the last couple of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Anything else, Trev, on that? Um, As a whole. No, I mean, I, I just like like you say, we're we're in a really good position, and I still think that there's a few things to iron out in terms of um, breaking down opponents. Is what I took from the Thailand game, but I don't see us having any problems 
you know, progressing further. Good penalty as well. By Luke Wilshire. Bang. Yeah, no, you don't I'm, like him. Oh, I'm always nervous about someone who absolutely well is it. Yeah. Because there's always just that slightest slip of the foot or a slight movement on the ball, and, yeah. and it can go horribly, horribly wrong. I always remember Beckham used to take a lot of penalties like that. And he's the famous and remember one. Remember the yeah, one where yeah. he put it on for Rose Ed, but. Uh, but yeah, he's doing well. Uh, Harry Kuehl, where does this leave Harry? You know, to where would you fit Harry into this? You know, Holger has said that he's still a massive part of his plans when he's fit. Yeah, I mean, I, d- I don't think anyone necessarily sort of came in and made that left side position their own. Um, so I'd still say that if he was fit and playing well, he'd make the team. Um, as, you, as you were saying, Holman was sort of more out in that role against Thailand, and, and you know there's nothing wrong with Holman as a player, but he's certainly more comfortable through the centre. So, you know, until someone re- you know really strong left-sided you know winger, but I suppose Harry's more of a left-sided forward these days, isn't he, than a sort of um, you know touchline grabbing winger. Um, I don't. I, I still think he's probably the best option if you're going to play someone down there. Okay. All right, well, that's it for uh, part two. Ultimately, you know, it's about results. No one's going to remember the how at the end of the day. They'll just remember the how many. And we're in good shape. Two wins, two games, six points, top of the group. We'll take that. All right, we'll be back after the break to look at some of the local news that's been making headlines on our website, au.442.com. This month's new 442 magazine celebrates the return of Harry Kuehl and Brett Emerton as it previews the return of the A-League with a profile on every club and an interview with a player from every team. We speak to rising soccer James Troy Isi from Turkey. Wayne Rooney chats to us about his new hair and winning title number 20 this year. We go behind the scenes at Barcelona to discover what Pep Guardiola is really like and our series of features assessing youth development starts at Dutch Giants Ajax. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. Now, some other news away from the Socceroos uh, World Cup qualifying campaign. The Matildas, unfortunately, uh, have got their backs against the wall in terms of qualifying for the London 2012 Olympics after uh, two defeats in their first three games. They went down to uh, DPR career 1-0, then took care of Thailand, but lost to uh, recently crowned World Cup winners uh, Japan 1-0. Uh, narrowest of uh, defeats, but it's left them uh, struggling to qualify, Trev. It looks a very, very difficult proposition. I don't think it's so much this game that was so pivotal, because um, not, not that I saw the game, but from reading reports and hearing what people say, Japan looked like they're on another level as they were in the World Cup. Um, it was that opening loss to DPR Korea. Um, with only the top two going through um, and looking at the group, I mean, J- Japan are top with nine points, DPR second on, on seven, and Australia third on three. Um, they're now in that horrible situation where they're relying on an upset. Um, yeah. With, you know, well, Thailand to do as a favour against uh, North Korea, which you've got to say is unlikely. Exactly, yeah. So that, that we're in a, you know, even if we win our last two games convincingly um, it's an even longer shot that Thailand are, are going to hold them up there and, and Japan look too good so it looks like we might miss out which is a bit of a shame after winning the Asian Cup and, and you know doing well in recent World Cups to not be in a, in a London Olympics and do we see you know do we see this as a sort of you know, a potential end of a cycle for the Matildas. I mean, I was quite surprised there were some stories on, uh, on the, there was a story on the World Game website and I was looking at the comments and there was quite a lot of people that don't think that Tom Somani is the right man for the job anymore. 
that he's served his purpose and now, you know, with the quality of players that, that we've got coming through, it needs a new sort of vision and a new coach in there to take the girls to the next level. Um, yeah, I mean, possibly. I mean, I don't think the girls would say that. I know he's certainly popular with them and... I think that he's Popular done. Popular coaches aren't always good for him. Look at Sven. No, I mean, he, yeah, I mean, but, you know, Sven didn't win a major competition like Tommy did at the Asian Cup. So I, th- I think he's probably bought himself some time. And if he's got a vision for the youngsters he's bringing through that they're going to form the basis of, of the next Matildas team, then I think he should be given the chance to, you know, see them come to fruition and, and mature a little bit. So, no, I, I don't think he should go. Gone downhill since Spencer's gone there, maybe. <laughs> That's the problem. All right, Sasogolovsky was actually on the Socceroos duty, but he's uh, also the uh, target for four-time UAE champions Alwada. Alwada. Um, to go and join uh, some of our some of his compatriots, uh, Bresh and Lucas Neal, in the UAE's top flight. Um, what do you think to this? Well, I mean, I hope not. He's, he's doing so well over where he is at the moment, really ruling the roost, um, you know, winning Asian Champions Leagues and an Asian Player of the Year and stuff. I, well, he's I, only I, just gone, hasn't he? He's only just, uh, he's only just moved to... Um, to he almost moved to FC Seoul. Uh, that's right, and he's now keen to uh, to leave Seongnam. Yeah, um, well, I'd hope he'd stay in Asia because, you know, he seems settled and established there and... Yeah, I think we've already got a couple of players over at the UAE. I'm not sure we need another one. Yeah, and you, but you know, I, I guess in in Sasser's, you know, to be fair to him, he's not had the career in Europe that the likes of Bresciano and Lucas Neal and yeah. Harry Kuehl have had. So you know, he's come up through the ranks. I mean, it's like it's not that long ago he was playing state league football. Yeah. So you can't really begrudge him the chance for a, for a decent payday. Payday, for a no, year no or that's, two. that's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll watch that uh, with interest. Uh, Brisbane Raw have uh, announced their new skipper to replace uh, Matt Mackay, who's obviously gone off to join the Scottish Club Rangers, and that is Matt Smith. Yes. Did you think when you saw... I mean, it's a little bit of a surprise appointment. Don't, don't see anything wrong with it. And, you know, Ange knows his team better than, than most of us on the outside. It seems <laughs> to suggest to me to be slightly negative that Brisbane are worried about losing another couple of players that might have been in line for captaincy or there's been talk about the leaving. I don't know. It, it felt like an appointment of someone most likely to stick around. I must admit, I thought the obvious candidate was Shane Stefanuto. Well, yeah, I think that he, he was certainly the front runner. And, yeah. and, and that's what I mean. I, I wonder what the, um, you know, the, the reason why him or um, Theoklatos or Partaloo didn't get it. I mean, those three were the, were the guys everyone's talking about. Well, they've got a leadership group. Um, up there, which includes Stefanuto, Michael Theoklatos and Eric Partaloo. So, uh, and that he said that that will remain, uh, but he's the man wearing the armband on the weekend. So, uh, again, it's, a, it's another transformation. We're talking about Sasoglanovsky. You know, Matt Smith was, an, was another playing Queensland State League football until he was offered a contract by North Queensland in 2009. So, uh, you know, a big two years for him, and he'll lead out the uh, reigning champions uh, in about a month. Yeah. Um, Chris Hurd, his uh, international status has been uh, called into question, well, not called into question, but Scotland have been uh, knocking on the door apparently. Uh, he has some Scottish heritage. Uh, both his parents are, uh, are Scottish. So he, Willie, uh, his dad is called Willie Hurd. Willie Hurd. <laughs> Definitely nice. Scottish. Obviously, he, uh, he starred in the, the Villa game against Wolves 10 days ago. Uh, he's, he's in, obviously, in Villa's 25-man squad. Looks like he's going to get increasing game time this season as Villa's uh, 
clear out of some of the dead wood has happened, which has given opportunities for some of the younger lads like Chris, who's excellent. Also, Shane Lowry is part of that squad. Um, I sort of get the feeling, though, he, he appears to be committed to to Australia. I sort of get a feeling that this was a sanding out, and um, and I, I really don't think that this is realistic, do you, Trev? No, well, comments from Willie seem to suggest that even though he'd love his son to play for his native Scotland, that Chris is, is more keen to, to represent Australia, having grown up here. Um, I, I mean, it, it's sort of... Um, Scotland might seem easier if he wants to build a European career, but however... Even though you've got the travel with Australia, you've got a far better chance of playing World well, Cup you, football. Well, yeah, if you look, you know, if you look back, if you, you know, if you look back over the last sort of ten years, Australia has had a much better international record than Scotland. Mm. And um, it's a trip home as well. You know, it's, it's an opportunity to free flight home. Yeah, exactly, yeah. business class. Yeah, so uh, let's hope that he uh, let's hope that he does commit himself. Uh, got high hopes, the lad. Hopefully, he stays at Villa for a while and. Uh, yeah, certainly could form the next generation of uh, Socceroos coming through. He's only 22, um, so let's hope that that, uh, that gets sorted out. Just cap him, it's the easiest way. Uh, Perth Glory have signed Billy Mehmet, uh, another St Mirren veteran-like fellow new boy Stephen McGarry. Uh, born in London, he's part English, Irish and Turkish Cypriot descent. <laughs> right, yeah. And has played for Republic of Ireland on the 21 team. He's 27. <laughs> Signed a one-year deal. We're fitting well in Australia with yeah. heritage like that. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like um, Glory coach Ian Ferguson certainly pulled him with, with some European contacts with uh, like Liam Miller and, uh, and Mehmet and um, Steve McGarry for, to, to build his squad um, this season. So there's a few names that perhaps we don't know that well, um, but he's, he's you know got reasonable contacts over in Europe to, to get these over. I mean, look, I don't know much about him. I've not seen him play a or what have you um, so yeah, it's just a wait and see really but I mean he, he seems to have a, a, a reasonable pedigree to, to come in and do like a, a Paul Eiffel type job ok uh, Fred returned back to Australian shores this week uh, to link up with his new teammates at Melbourne Heart um, yeah, looking at this you know, they've not got a bad attacking lineup, have they you know, yeah. David Williams Fred um, Matty de Ganzic, you know, they've got the new Brazilian striker, Macon, that we've we yet to see in action. Um, but the potential there is, uh, is good for the heart. Yeah, I mean, as we're saying in our season preview issue out now, um, what, what they've done, the, while they've lost a little bit of experience, you know, players like Aloisi, they've replaced it with blistering pace. I mean, people like Williams, you know, Alex Terra's already there, Macon's supposed to be rapid as well. Um, and you know, and Brisbane's made comments before about how it's a young man's league, and and you need the sort of you know, pace and what have you to to get through a, a summer sport in Australia playing you know playing football. So yeah, I mean it's a very different looking heart team, and, and we were quite excited about them last year because they recruited some some real decent names that we knew well about. But I think they're going to be a handful for any sort of defence this season yeah and also what was what was uh, a nice touch this week was that uh, Melbourne Heart had run a competition for fans to design a, a third strip yeah great um, and the winning fan Steve Forbes uh, the shirt was was released this week um, so yeah so again you know Melbourne Heart do seem to uh, to have a lot of things right off the pitch and this is just another example of, uh, of a really nice initiative um, and a great sort of connection between the, the players and the fans, and it'd be nice to actually see them uh, see them wear it for a game. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ado's based uh, uh, 
chief honcho journalist based in Melbourne these days, and and he's been putting stuff on Twitter and chatting to him about. He just can't praise the club enough. You know the the people that are in it and the way they're organising themselves. So yeah, the kit things are a great idea. Cool, Adelaide on the kits. Uh, Adelaide uh, took the wraps off their new area. Oh, just before looking at the pictures of Melbourne Heart, John Van Skip. Where's he been on holiday? He looks yeah. He's so tanned. Yeah. That, that is a seven-month off-season yeah. for you. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Adelaide launched their new kits this week. Um, on hand to launch them was John McCain, Sergio Van Dyke, Bruce Gitte, the Evgeny Levchenko and Eugene Galekovic modelling their, uh, their new kits. Um, Got to say, best sponsor in the league. Yeah. Yeah, the best I saw someone suggest that perhaps they should uh, have a green away top for the pale ale of Coopers as well. Nice. For the red and the green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice, nice. Uh, it's good to see all the kits coming out, uh, you know, and it will be nice to see um, something a little bit different, you know, which is part of football, the kits and the colour. And, you know, so I just, I, I've never been a fan of that sort of centralised cookie cutter kit deal so um, no, it's, it's great it, to see that there's some identity coming for the clubs now yeah and, and it gets a massive reaction online in the forums oh, doesn't huge. it when a new Everything kit comes we out do on the kits just goes nuts yeah and, and it is it, it does you know feel so much like a you know fresh start with, with new manufacturers coming in for the kits well on that I mean just before we uh, came in to record this podcast the uh, new teaser ad has finally been released oh yes I um, saw it yeah yeah, yeah. so uh it's the first part of the We Are Football campaign. You'll also notice the little uh, the little stamp in the top right-hand corner of our cover. I was getting behind that because uh, if anyone's football, we are, I suppose. So, yep. um, uh, Trev, what do you think of it? Yeah, look, uh, you know, it's a high-quality production as well. Like it, you know, gets the sort of moody side of it. Stuff gets plenty of packed stadium or close shots on areas where it looks like a packed stadium at least. Um, and it harnesses, you know, What's good about the league? That sort of fan culture and, and the atmosphere on on the terraces and look some good highlights from last season as well. And they're yeah. they're right in saying how good that grand final was and the overhead kick and you know um, so the Melbourne Heart overhead kick I'm talking about there. Um, yeah, look, look, it's it's good. You know, I'm well that's what of... I liked about it the most. Uh, you know, you can argue that uh, you know it's sort of shot in that moody black and white. You know, is it colourful enough? Is it fast paced enough? with some of the comments on Twitter, but but I'm really pleased and encouraged that we're actually now using the action on the pitch to sell the game, yeah. you know, rather than relying on gimmicks and CGI and robots and a million people playing on a pitch. You know, we're actually showing this is what you missed last season, you know, yeah. and there was enough quality football play last season to do that, and I'm, I'm, that's a big step forward for me is actually using our own action to sell the game. Yeah, and then that was the frustrating thing about last season, how we had this contradictory point about how good everything was on the pitch and how good the grand final was, how bad it was off the pitch. So, you know, we need to sort of solve one problem with the positive that we had last year. Okay, well, more will be revealed. Uh, obviously, there's a, there's a social media campaign to come. There's, there's be, there'll be different edits of the ad and there's free-to-air TV campaign to come. So this is just the start. But, I assume um, they'll harness the, the Kuehl and Emerton thing. When yeah, you think so. So, you know, there's a lot of, lot of good news. So this is the start of it here with a month to go till the season. So jump onto our Facebook page if you want to have a look at the, uh, the teaser or it's on YouTube. Just uh, Google A-League C- Season 7 teaser and, uh, and it will come up and let us know what you think. 
All right, that's it for part two. We'll be back in part three to review a busy weekend in the European Championships as the, uh, as the tournament draws ever closer in Poland and the Ukraine next year. Some teams have already qualified. We'll talk you through the, uh, the results and the groups as they stand and what teams need to do to qualify for next year's tournament. We all have goals, but sometimes we need a little help along the way. The best advice and assistance on your journey can make an enormous difference. Tiger Management and PR represents up-and-coming and established TV and radio presenters, performers and sports people. So if you're wondering how you'll rise to the next level, engage the services of Tiger Management and PR and you'll no longer be alone. Call 1300 784 212 to find out more or visit tigermanagement.com.au. To 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to have a quick roundup now of the Euro 2012 uh, qualifying rounds that happened over the weekend. Uh, we're reaching the sort of business end of that with uh, a couple of rounds to go, or, or one game for certain teams. Uh, Italy, Spain and the Netherlands have all booked their places uh, to Poland and the Ukraine next uh, English or European summer. Different uh, ways of getting there, though. Um, Germany, obviously, had already qualified. Uh, played 8, won 8, 23 goal difference, 24 points. Yep. In you go. Minimum of fuss. No messing around. No underestimating anyone getting the job done. Yeah, um, However, Italy sort of managed it in slightly different uh, fortunes with a 1-0 win against the Faroe Islands. Yep. It's so Italian, isn't it? So in, the, in their eight games, they've only conceded one goal, yeah. Italy. Love it. To go up after <laughs> ten minutes, that'll do us, 1-0. Don't care if it's Whereas the Whereas the Dutch Island. went on a scoring spree against San Marino, beating them 11-0. I think yeah. Robin Van Persie got four. That um, wouldn't have impressed the Italian crowd, though. They want a 1-0. That's, that's the best <laughs> result he can get. Uh, San Marino played nine, lost nine. Goals four, nil. Goals against, 49. Yeah. Um, right, let's run through the groups. So, obviously, as we talked about, Group A, um, Germany have qualified. Uh, there is a fight between Turkey and Belgium for second place. Um, Turkey's two-point advantage over Belgium makes them favourites. Uh, but they both still have to face the Germans, um, which just sort of opens the door a bit for Austria, even though they're a few points behind, because uh, if they can win both games, that could give them an outside shot. Trev? Yes. Who do you think is going to nab second in there? I, I think that you know Turkey have got themselves only, only a couple of points in front at this point, but you feel that might just be enough to, to sort of you know, get them through. And Belgium will be disappointed not to make it. Uh, certainly a nation that's fallen away, haven't they? And, yeah, and still two. have good players. You know, when you mm. actually look at them individually, you forget that you know you got, you got Vermaelen, you got Fellaini, you got players mm. that are playing at good clubs. You know, that, yeah. uh, but they just don't seem to be able to gel as a unit. Just just to uh, as we as we run through the groups, it's probably worth us just explaining how obviously Poland and the Ukraine are qualified automatically as hosts. There are nine groups, and all nine group winners qualify. Um, the second place team with the highest number of points from matches against the first, third, fourth and fifth place team also qualifies. The eight remaining second place team will take part in a two-legged playoff to decide the four remaining qualifiers. Did you get that, Trev? Yeah. Yeah? Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Teams level on points are 
it's decided on head-to-head, not goal difference, um, which you know is fair enough, I think, because then that negates the Holland beating San Marino 11-0 if there isn't a San yeah. Marino in another group. You yeah, know, exactly. That, uh, uh, yeah, and it, it shouldn't just be about you know who's better at smashing a minnow. It should be who, who was better when they played each other, which is what, um, when we get onto it, makes the England group or England's qualification quite interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, in Group B, Russia, top the group. Uh, with 17 points. Republic of Ireland are on 15 points. Armenia and Slovakia are on 14 points. All teams have played eight games, two rounds to go. Wide open. Any te- you know, anyone out of Russia, Republic of Ireland, Armenia and Slovakia can still win it. Russians are in the box seat, but they travel to Slovakia next, with the Irish travelling to Andorra, which should be a, a routine win, because they've played eight, lost eight, um, before they host Armenia in what could be a, the decisive final game. I have to say, as a Villa, an amazing defensive performance from uh, Richard Dunn. Yes. For the nil-nil with Russia. Have you heard? Of, did you hear about it? No, no. Paul McGrath went on to Twitter. Oh, Paul McGrath. God went on yeah. to Twitter and said that, you know, and this is high praise, bearing in mind McGrath's standing in, yeah, in, in Irish in, football football. Incredible football. footballer. He went on to Twitter in the aftermath of this game and said it was the best performance from an Irish centre-back ever, oh. including himself. And when you think about McGrath's performance against Italy in the yeah. 1994 World Cup in New York, that's some high praise. There is one, have a look on Google for the goal line clearance he makes. Yeah. It's unbelievable how he kept it out. I don't know, but he, he's kept them right in it there with the shout of, of winning that group. And I hope they do as well. I think a few the... people would begrudge them going through, even with a bit of luck after what happened at the last World Cup. Exactly. Um, Group C, Italy, as we said, are through. Uh, played eight, won seven, drawn one. Uh, Eight-point gap between them and second place. In second place is Serbia, uh, played eight, 14 points. Estonia played nine, 13 points. And Slovenia played nine, 11 points. Uh, Serbia is still faced. They've got a game in hand uh, and a point lead over uh, Estonia. Um, Slovenia... And Estonia have both played nine games, so they've got one game left. Northern Ireland have sort of fallen away. They're in a good position, but they got thumped by Estonia uh, 4-1, I think it was in the end, which, they, which really has sort of um, given them slim chance of qualifying. Trevi, would you say, is favourite? Obviously, Serbia, recent visitors to Australia. Yeah, you'd... Say that they'd be favourites to yeah, sneak you'd, second. You'd, I mean, the group's shaping up as, as you would expect, and with Serbia, point advantage game extra in hand it, it would be a surprise not to see him make it or you know make it to second spot you know. okay group D very tight uh, France topped the group uh, with 17 points from their 8 games but Bosnia Herzegovina are just a point behind having played 8 Romania 4 points further back Belarus uh, on, and also on 12 points um, it's set for a potential showdown between the top 2 in Paris in the final round um so this would, yeah, this would be. This looks like it could go down to the wire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, a new look France team, as, we, as we've been saying before. Um, I think home advantage, you know, getting to host Bosnia in in Paris will probably be the difference. And, and they could do that ref they had for in a, <laughs> just yeah. for that World Cup qualifier as well. Yeah. Uh, okay, Group E, the Netherlands qualified, played eight, one eight, twenty four. Now it's a two-way battle between Sweden and Hungary, uh, both on 18 points, although Hungary have played a game more. Um, 
So, how do we think this is going to go, Trev? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, to, to be in a better, you know, Sweden are in a better position, Hungary, because they're already in that second spot and, and they've got an extra, um, their extra game. I think the the head to head makes such a difference around this time because there's not a lot you can do about it. It's not like you can go in a situation and go right. We need to thump so and so. We know we need to like when England had to play San Marino and beat them by a certain amount. Yeah. of health, conceded within the first ten, eight seconds. Ten <laughs> seconds. Yeah, I remember that? Uh, was it a postman scored? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, run through the whole team, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, I think Sweden would be feeling pretty confident there. I mean, after the disappointment of, of not making um, the most recent World Cup, um, they'll, they'll be pleased to be bouncing back for the Euros. Okay. Um, group F: Croatia lead the group on 19 points, a point ahead of Greece, uh, and then Israel are five points further back. So it's looking like. Uh, a head-to-head between Croatia and Greece. They meet in the next round of matches uh, in October. Mm-hmm. Um, Greece are a point behind. However, uh, they got a nil-nil draw in Zagreb, um, which means that you know if they could get a win at home, that would put them ahead on their head-to-heads. Um, however, you know if uh, if Croatia can avoid defeat, that should see them uh, safely through. Yeah, I, I fancy Greece to sneak ahead there. Really? Yeah, I think that they might take advantage of um, of that home game. That they looked impressive in Zagreb, and yeah, I think I'm going to go for Greece to top it. Okay. Um, England's group, Group G. England topped the group after uh, two wins. Again, contrasting wins, a bit like the Socceroos. Uh, a convincing win in Bulgaria, but then a skin of their teeth win against Wales. Um, however. They are top of the group, 17 points from seven games. They have a game, one game left. Uh, Montenegro are still in it. They are six points back, but have two games left to play. But the next game is against England. So, um, so basically, if England uh, get a draw or better, they are in the European Championships. Yeah, it's a deceptive-looking yeah. table because you think, oh, England are six points ahead. They've only got one to play, and they've got a good goal difference. But if Montenegro win their two games, they'll top the group. Yeah, because, of because they got nil-nil. Better head-to-head. And yeah. they'll, they'll host England, as we're saying, that they're at home. Um, so that, that'll be, that's going to be a nervy game for England, one that they, they might look to grind a point yeah. out of. Well, I mean, it, you know, if they, uh, you know, if Montenegro do beat England, then you know, England are then relying on Switzerland to do them a favour. They've still got to go away to Switzerland and win. Yes. Uh, which isn't uh, the easiest of things to do. So... Um, all right, Group H, Portugal, Denmark and Norway tied, locked on 13 points. Uh, Norway have played a game more. Portugal and Denmark have played six games each, so they've got two games left. Three-way fight to the death. Yeah, I mean, the looks of this group when it got um, you know, pulled out was obvious that those three were, were going to be close at the top, but to all be on un- unlucky 13 at this stage. Um, Portugal never liked to really qualify too emphatically, do they? I think they, they, they prefer to, to scrape through right to the end, and they're going to have to here. Scotland's group, uh, Group I, uh, not surprisingly, Spain are top in the group, played 6 1 6 on 18 points, and, uh, and they've already won the group. Um, Czech Republic are in second on 10, and Scotland in third on 8. Now, um, Czech Republic would be in favourites, but they, they host Spain in the next match. Um, defeat for the Czechs would potentially open the door for Scotland, who have got Liechtenstein in the next game. Uh, so if they could win that, then that would tee up uh, a final round where Scotland would be at home to Spain. 
and they'd need to equal or better the Czech score away in Lithuania. So it's a long shot, yeah. as it always is. But knowing Scotland, they'll probably go and lose to uh, Liechtenstein and it'll be all over anyway. Yeah. So next, next round of uh, qualifiers are the same time as the Socceroos' next round of World Cup qualifiers. So it's that weekend of the 7th and 11th of October. Um, and that's when the whole picture will clear as to who's qualified. And we'll bring you that, obviously, as it happens. That's all for part three. We will be back in part four as Premier League action begins again after the international break. So we'll preview all the games coming up this weekend. This month's new 442 magazine celebrates the return of Harry Kuehl and Brett Emerton as it previews the return of the A-League with a profile on every club and an interview with a player from every team. We speak to rising Socceroo James Troy Isi from Turkey. Wayne Rooney chats to us about his new hair and winning title number 20 this year. We go behind the scenes at Barcelona to discover what Pep Guardiola is really like and our series of features assessing youth development starts at Dutch Giants Ajax. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. After the international break, we are back to Premier League action. And it all kicks off on Saturday. Uh, Games on Saturday. Trev, Arsenal hosts Swansea. Arsenal, one point from three games, hosting newly promoted Swansea at the Emirates. Swansea above Arsenal in the league. Yeah, life stand. after the transfer window begins for Arsene Wenger. Yes. How do we see the new signings settling in? Um, well, look, yeah, first of all, I mean, no disrespect for Swansea, but this is sort of the game that Arsenal needed. They, they needed a, a very winnable game. I mean, it could work the other way. If they, if they don't win, then the pressure's going to build even more. But, yeah, you'd, you'd think that, um, you know, Arteta would start. Um, I can see Ben O'Neill being on the bench. I mean, Wiltshire being out. Yeah, is, exactly. It's a massive loss um, to Arsenal, and um, if they're, if they're going to get up to, and I think realistically they should be aiming for fifth this season. I, I can't see a, a top four being anywhere near. Well, you, you know, if you fancy a flood of generous odds on Swansea, this is from SportingBet.com.au. Arsenal dollar thirty-four favourites, uh, draws four dollars sixty-five, and Swansea are nine bucks. Um, funny, I saw uh, Per Mertesacker, a new signing centre back, German centre back. Uh, Described linking up with his new Arsenal teammates and, uh, and the, having his first look at the Emirates and the facilities is like his first first day back at school. And someone on Twitter said, "What you're surrounded by kids and the teacher's gone mad." <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Uh, Everton Villa, two teams that have been had their aspirations severely checked in the last couple of years. Everton's uh, financial woes are, are well documented, and they're transfer window we dissected um, last week, you know, so they host Villa. Um, good time to go there. A, yeah, good time to go there, although probably our one decent player, Darren Bent, is injured. Uh, got injured on uh, international duty, even though he didn't play. Got sent home for the second game, groin injury. Uh, so unlikely that he'll start, which uh, opens the door for um, for Agbon Lahore to sort of move into that uh, advanced position. Although we'll probably just play Heskey and play four five one. But um, <laughs> but yeah, odds on that. Uh, we um, Everton two dollars five favourites, strong favourites. Uh, draw is three dollars twenty five, and Villa are three dollars sixty five. Not at that. Might have to have a look at that. Another not a bad that will get away. Nah. Uh, Man City host Wigan. Uh, you'd probably say that this is 
probably the most odds on game of the of the weekend. Uh, We're gonna got a funny record against the good side, so they, yeah, they, I can't see. I, I don't know. I just think that you know this season. I just think Man City have just got so many attacking options, mm. and also attacking options that move the ball around. You know that that they just. They just move the ball and the combinations mean that they can unlock those teams that go there and try and defend. Uh, they're $1.16 to win on, on Sporting Bet. Draw is 7 bucks. Wigan are 15 bucks. Yeah. Do you know about that, fa- Trev? you that confident? No, no. Well, no. no City, that's fair enough odds. You'd expect City to win the majority of the time. But Wigan are one of those funny teams that lose the teams around them and, and do all right against the teams at the top. Yeah, Stoke hosts Liverpool. This will be a fascinating game. You know, Stoke strengthened again in the transfer window. With, Very uh, ambitious, aren't they? Two signings from, uh, from Tottenham in Peter Crouch and Wilson Palacios. Uh, Liverpool, obviously the newly resurgent Liverpool, currently sitting in third place. How do you see this one going? Yeah, like, like you say, very interesting. I mean, it, it was the opening game for Chelsea at Stoke and they got a point and Stoke will get in Liverpool's face and I think it will be a draw. Okay. Um, I mean, Sporting Bet have got it Stoke $3.35 the draw $3.25 and Liverpool $2.15 yeah that's about right but I'd, I'd, I'd still fancy the draw on that one it's never an easy place to go it's a cliche but it, it's about right ok on Chelsea they travel to Sunderland uh, obviously Steve Bruce uh, very active in the transfer window, sporting a lot of players. Big turnover, um, isn't there? More than sort of. Yeah, you know, and, and I don't know. I sort of get the pace, you know, sort of get that feeling that he's, you know, he's coming up to that sort of judgment time. In that, you know, he's spent a lot of money, if not necessarily on, on, on transfer fees, certainly on wages. He's got a big squad there. Um, that is his squad now. You know, he's completely sort of. They're all his players. Um, so how do you see this one going? Obviously Chelsea go up there, uh, you know, currently in fourth, seven points from three games. You know, these are the games that they have to go and win. Oh yeah, completely. To, I mean, to, to mount a challenge. The games that Chelsea have won this season, they've been thoroughly unconvincing, and the, the feeling is that that Chelsea team, when it comes up against the better sides, um, the Manchester sides or or even Liverpool, a Tottenham or an Arsenal, still um, they might struggle. So yeah, they, they have to win. Um, away at Sunderland um, Sunderland who humbled Chelsea last season at Stamford Bridge yeah and that was sort of where it all went a bit wrong yeah. I don't know whether they sort of started believing their own press a little bit because they were fourth at one point towards the you know going in towards Christmas yeah. you know, and, it would, and then they just completely fell away in the yeah. second half well, considering yeah. how Sunderland teams fall away they need to do well so that's the sort of game that they need to get a point out of and, and I think they will actually ok well Sunderland I mean Sporting Bet has got it Sunderland five bucks to win uh, the draw is three dollars sixty, and Chelsea are a dollar sixty-eight. I, th- I think that's quite short for for how Chelsea have been playing. Yeah, Wolverhampton uh, entertain Spurs. Wolves have had a great start to the season on seven points from the three games uh, carried on. You know, really built on last season. Um, and again, you know, this is a big season for Wolves. You know, this is the the season where you sort of think that that can they take that next step to established Premier League side from side that. You know, continually stays up on the last day, the last you know, or the last but one week. Um, they've strengthened. They've brought in Roger Johnson, who's been a great addition from Birmingham City in the defence. Um, Spurs bottom of the league. Played. They've only played two games. Obviously, the first game was cancelled, but 
and and to be fair to them, they have played Man United and Man City. Yeah, but, the two teams that you know, this is not a given for Spurs going there by any stretch, is it? Well, they lost their last season, didn't yeah. they? Or was it, yeah, so um, no, n- not at all. And it's um, it's the type of game that you would expect them to to probably you know s- slip up in. And as uh, we were discussing the office earlier, they've got some tricky games after that. Tottenham have had a really really sort of um, horrendously tough start. So if they don't pick up points in, in those sorts of games, then it, it could be a, could be a long Van season. Van der out for an extended period in four or five weeks. Yeah, I mean, it uh, depends how fit. Crouch is gone. By your, yeah. Well, yeah. The, I mean, they lost... They had a sort of strange transfer window, didn't they? Because I think Adebayor w- was a big signing for them and, and Parker would be good for them too. But um, for a team that looks really lightweight up front last season, I think they're kind of crossing their fingers and hoping that Defoe's going to come back into form. Yeah. Okay, the odds there are $2.80 Wolves, uh, $3.30 the draw, and $2.45 Spurs. So Spurs, slight favourites there. Uh, Bolton Man United uh, is the late game on uh, on Saturday or early hours of Sunday morning here. Uh, Trev, yes. Bolton under Owen Coyle. Um, you know, again, great first season from there last year, looking to build on that. Mm. I've managed to hold on to Gary Cahill, which is important, although whether he'll hold on to him for the whole of the season given his form and for England and his contract as well I don't yeah. think there's a lot to run on that um, no, I think Manu will win it but another you know there's a series of games that could go either way I think there's not as many you know dead certs as you often get um, that's yeah. not an easy trip for Manu but just the way they're playing and the way they come at teams at the minute I'd, I'd think that they can knock Bolton aside yeah well Sporting Bet would agree with you they've got Bolton at 8 bucks well that's <laughs> Yeah. It's long for a home. Draw at four dollars fifty, and Man United a dollar thirty-eight to win. Right, okay. Uh, Norwich against West Brom, newly promoted Norwich host West Brom, uh, looking for their first win of the season. They've had two draws, Norwich, um, one heartbreaking fashion, ninety-fourth minute was the last game. Can they get their first win at home, Trev, against West Brom? Yeah, you know, one of those early season relegation battles um, already. Um, yeah, I think Norwich will. I think they'll get their season um, up and running here. I mean, West Brom um, have started horrendously, and it, it, it could be an awful season for them, um, despite a way. They yeah, finished the season really well and then didn't really lose anyone and strengthened. You know, they brought yeah. in Shane Long. You know, Shane so Long looks great as well. Yeah, but again, you know, I do think West Brom have, you know, had a, a tough start to the season. They've had a, you know, they've they've played a couple of tough games and, and been unlucky. Yeah. You know, they've played well without. Done well points. against Chelsea, didn't they? Yeah, yes. you know, against Chelsea and Man United. Yeah. So again, I think that there's a few false positions in the league table at the moment uh, based on who you've played in the first couple of games. Mm. I think really we need to wait until ten games in to get a, a truer picture. Exactly, yeah. But certainly, you'd think now West Brom need to look at that and dust themselves down and go. Right, this is these are the games we now need to start winning. Yeah. Talk know. about false positions. Blackburn are in nineteenth, and there's no way they'll end up that high. So, <laughs> All right, Blackburn next. Travel to Fulham uh, in the late game on Sunday. It's Monday morning our time. Uh, how do you see this one going? The Sporting Bet have got it a dollar sixty-three. Fulham strong favourites. A draw three dollars sixty-five. Blackburn five dollars fifty. You probably wouldn't argue with that. Yeah, no, for Fulham. Uh, you know. I don't just fear for Blackburn. I just can't see a way, even this early in the season, how they're going to up the ante and get out of it. 
Um, well, they shored up the defence on, on deadline day with the signing of Scott Dan, which was an odd one because it was just a, you know there was talk of him going to Arsenal, Liverpool, and he ended up going to Blackburn. Yeah, you know, to, for not a huge amount of to money to get relegated again. Well, and they've also got Chris Samba and Ryan Nelson there. Yeah, you know, so it just seemed uh, seemed an odd move for him. Um, but you know, obviously they'll need all the help they can get if they're going to have any chance of staying up because certainly just up front, you just don't think they've got enough really to. Uh, no. Just to score the goals that are going to keep them up. I reckon they'll throw a load of money at it in January because I think they'll, they'll probably be in a dire position. But, um, you know, that, that's not always enough. West Ham did that last season. It wasn't enough. Yeah. Uh, the Monday game. Don't you just love a fixture list? Joey Barton, first game for QPR, hosting Newcastle. Yeah. And Loftus Road. He'll he'll uh, make sure his presence felt. He'll enjoy that one. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Sean Wright Phillips as well will be making his debut. You'd expect for Spurs, uh, for Queens Park Rangers. So, um, Sporting Bet have got it two dollars fifty five QPR slight favourites in Newcastle two dollars seventy, and the draw three dollars twenty five. Yeah. Newcastle not had a bad start to the, to the season. Seven points from three games, probably the best that they could have hoped for. Yeah, I mean, you know. I, I suppose that the fans are on the, the board's back a little bit because a lot of money's come into the club and seemingly not a lot's um, well, been I mean, spent they, they, they started I mean, well. The big thing was, was that when they sold Andy Carroll in the January, on the deadline day last January, they issued a statement saying you know, that judges, when, judges in the next transfer window when this money is reinvested, you know, and it hasn't been. No. No, you know. people like Denver Bar on a th- on a free yeah. from West Ham to play out front. That seems, and he's playing, so that seems to be the replacement for Carroll free transfer. Yeah. So I mean, how do you see this from going? Draw. I think I think it'll be a draw. I think Joey Barton might get a yellow card. You reckon? There's a chance. All right, that is it for this week's four four two Insider Podcast. We will be back next week uh, to pick the bones out of the uh, English Premier League and all the European football, and also we will be one week. Closer to the start of the A-League, so we'll start our countdown to that. Traveller, new issue, talking yes. about countdown to the A-League. Yes. New issue on sale. Yep, the new issue's out. It's our A-League season preview issue. Player from uh, each club interviewed. Expert analysis on every team. Who do we get in? And <laughs> an, ex- an expert prediction. No, I can't call them expert predi- predictions. No- notoriously rough predictions. Um, for, for how it's so start. difficult this stage to call. Who's going to be one to ten in the A League? It is, it? but there, there is a little bit of consensus. I mean, I, I think a lot of people are, are worrying about Newcastle, Gold Coast, and Wellington, um, but a lot of people are, are very interested in in Melbourne victory. Um, and, and out of all of the predictions, uh, and there's seven, that only one pundit has gone for for Brisbane to uh, break the champions' curse, and, and that's Simon. Simon Hill, sorry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so a, a, a full sort of um, you know look at what's coming up in the A League. First look of uh, Harry in his victory top and Brett in his uh, Sydney top, um, and loads of other stuff with uh, Pep Guardiola feature, James Troisi interview, Wayne Rooney interview, and the start of our youth development um, series of features yeah, cool. starting at Ajax, and, and they are um, absolutely fascinating. There'll be an Australia one coming up soon as well. Brilliant. All right, it's on sale now. News agents, you can buy it direct from us if you uh, are too lazy to go to the news agents and we'll post it to you free of charge. That's proving very popular, isn't it, which proves how yeah. lazy people or are. Or if you've got an iPad thingy, you can get it on there uh, from the App Store. So uh, whichever way you get it, we don't really mind, but just get it. All right. 
That's it. We'll be back next week. Traveller, thanks for joining us. Simon, thanks for twiddling the knobs. That's it for this week's 442 Insider podcast. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.